0: Um, I, I had something tremendous to say and it slipped my mind here. <laughs>
1: to the Halfway There cast. I'm Tyler.
0: And I'm Eric.
1: We want to welcome you in today for our discussions on theology, pastor care, 80s hair metal, and everything under the sun. Hope all is well with you all today. Eric, how you doing today, brother?
0: Uh, A little sore. (laughs) Threw threw my back out uh, last night, so kind of been humped over all day today. Not able to walk. Very straight. You want to know what happened?
1: I do because I did not expect
0: that. <laughs> Let's hear it. Let's I hear I it. got it. I got in a fight last night. Uh, <laughs> it was it, so uh, my, my dog starts barking and just barks and barks and barks. Thought it was maybe uh, you know some sort of small animal. Looked out the back door. And there's this big snake coiled up on our patio and it's like snapping at the dog. Oh my gosh. Uh, Yeah. So my my wife's asleep, so I can't have her to go out and take care of it. So, (laughs) so, so, so I, I go, I I pray and I go out there and uh, my my daughter Leah goes with me to hold the flashlight and I start chopping at it with a, with a a shovel. And next thing you know, my heart rate's up and uh, my back's thrown (laughs) out, but, but, but I got it. You got it. Got it. Yeah. So.
1: Wow. (laughs) <laughs>
0: yeah yeah it was it was a good way to end a saturday night right before a restful uh restful sleep before going to church the next day
1: yeah well what, what about what time did this go down last
0: night uh, it was about 11
1: okay
0: yeah and wow. I, I had to do something about it we have a fenced in backyard so if i didn't get it i knew it was just going to keep uh kind of hanging around
1: yeah um so. what kind of snake was it well,
0: at first i thought it was a boa constrictor <laughs> like one of those. No, I, I'm just kidding. I, I I think it was one of those rat snakes, like okay. which they are constrictors, like small animals and things. Yeah. Uh, just the way it was coiled up and things like that. So uh, it was it it was a big one. Didn't didn't like it.
1: Well, uh, well, I was, that was my next question. Uh, are you a big snake guy? Do you like snakes? Uh,
0: no, not at all. I H- Hate them.
1: Okay. There's not H- absolutely hate them. Uh, there's not many things that will make me run in my life especially at this point in this age, a snake will make me run. I want no part of a snake.
0: Have you ever had to fight one?
1: I did. Yeah, I did. I had to fight one here at the house once. I had to defend our family yes. um, in the face of imminent death. And that, That's I, what a man does. Yeah. Clearly, I'm, I'm here, so I won. <laughs> uh, me and my garden hoe took care of the snake. Uh, but I have also saw some snakes, and I've let them lie. I just didn't want to mess with them. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Uh, man. Well, that's, uh, that'll, that'll, did you go to sleep well after that? Or did you, did that keep no,
0: going? no. It took me quite a while to wind down. It, it was well <laughs> after one o'clock before I got to sleep.
1: I'd imagine so. Wow. Yeah. So, man, well, so, here's, uh,
0: so how are you then?
1: I, I'm doing okay. <laughs> uh, compared to that, I'm doing okay. pretty well, okay. uh, had, uh, a funny story. I mean, this this is a little inside joke for our podcast listeners. If this is your first-time listener. You need to go a couple episodes back to hear this one. But we did have a little church uh, picnic, church dinner tonight, uh, kind of get back to school, kind of that kind of thing. And lo and behold, what does my wife walk out of the house with? Potato salad. Potato salad. salad. Yes. Potato I, I'm salad. telling you, that's watched, what it is. I watched her dollop that mayonnaise in that thing, and I, I was just thinking, oh, I'm not going to be able to eat this one uh but thankfully so, we go ahead. so
0: she did the mayonnaise uh what else does she put in hers i don't even know so did you at least try it no
1: uh you, I you had, gotta try it i mean we had you hot, hot gotta, dogs well. we had hot dogs we had baked beans we had uh some glorious meatballs barbecued meatballs had buffalo chicken dip and of course we had the desserts and that's where i hung out
0: but potato salad now did she make the potato salad because she's a faithful listener or was it just a mere providence of god that she she took i'll tell you what
1: happened and it's partially my fault um of course i've been banged up here with a bad wrist and a bad toe for a while (laughs) and so she's been caretaking for me and she was her plan was to go by the grocery store after after we ate today after church and pick up a couple things to make something we ate at her mom and dad's they had some potatoes left they said hey just take it make potato salad and she kind of like well I don't know I might want to make something and I, I spoke up then and I said usually we meet at six o'clock on Sunday night and I said well you know we're meeting at five o'clock tonight I didn't relay that information yet mm-hmm. uh so that kind of you know it, I guess it's kind of my fault she came home and made the potato salad and you know, it seemed to be liked by everyone else, but I'm not a, you know me, not a potato well, salad guy. Well,
0: I mean, that's wow. that's the staple at a, a Baptist meal. It has to be there.
1: So says you. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's, uh, <laughs> let's get in. We got four amazing topics tonight. Uh, the first thing we want to talk about, maybe a precursor to uh, our life in uh, preaching ministry, but hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, it's a freshman <laughs> in high school. Me and you signed up. Did we sign up for this class? Yeah, we did. Okay. We signed up for a class called, I think it was actually called Oral Communications. Yes. Oral Communications, basically public speaking. Yep. And now, it was
0: just, it was for sophomores, but you and I made sure that we got in there.
1: We did. We made sure we got in there. We had a great teacher in that class. She did a good job with us. Let's do you let's know talk why about...
0: we made sure we got in there?
1: <laughs> why did we make sure we got in there? Well,
0: We had a conversation and we thought, hey, if we're going to be in a band and have to get up in front of people (laughs) (laughs) and have to play music and and all this stuff, we got to get used to being in front of people. Let's sign up for this public speaking class. And we're like, okay. So so we did it. So, So we did it with the intention of being rock stars.
1: Our, our motivation. I always wondered, always wondered why we signed up for that. That message. was why. yeah. I, I was never someone that wanted to public speak, but that makes a little <laughs> more sense now that we uh, our rock, rock stardom uh, yep. hinged on us going doing public speaking classes as freshmen. Um, did we ever have a speech that had to be longer than five minutes in there?
0: I, I don't remember looking back. They all felt like an hour long. Oh I mean, man, they did.
1: Yep. It was awful. And I, I think three minutes was like the the norm, and maybe our final was five. It amazes me. It absolutely amazes me that I could barely get up and speak for three minutes.
0: Yeah, I know. And and how we have to public speak every week now. Right. And I mean,
1: your sermons are sixty five. <laughs>
0: Uh, Oh, just joking. Oh, no,
1: they hang around 30 to 35 right now. (laughs) Right, right. Oh, man. But, uh, but yeah, it just, I I can't remember many of the topics, but I can, I I remember every time that I got up there, I was nervous. I was sick at my stomach. I remember you being pretty good at it.
0: Well, here's what I did. Um, (laughs) I, I, I remember two of them, and one of them I did not prepare for at all. And I just got up and I was going to wing something and I completely made up everything I said. And my topic was um, the importance of sleep for teenagers is is what I decided to get up and speak about. And I just, I made a bunch of stuff up and got through it. And I think I got a pretty good grade on it uh, on that one, which, which is, y'all wouldn't recommend doing that, but.
1: Yeah, I don't, I, I don't imagine that I prepared for any of them. Probably I remember we had to use note cards and I probably wrote the note cards in the period before the class before for my speech that was coming up. Yeah, uh, that's that's kind of how I did school. Um, don't probably didn't make a great grade in it. Probably a C or a D. But uh, nonetheless, we had a good time in there. Uh, I do remember that uh, it was it was a fun class. Um, I can't remember anyone else that was in it. <laughs> I didn't remember me and you were in it.
0: Well, and, I remember uh, one other person for sure um we were the only freshman in there until about halfway through the semester or class in walks this guy from i think he's from chattanooga with a big cowboy hat on and boots oh. comes in sits down justin wells and i was thinking who who is this guy coming in um and <laughs> ended up being one of the funniest uh m- most genuine people you would ever know and interestingly all three of us are in ministry now.
1: Yeah, he had charisma too, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, sure he, kind of, he put us to shame in the charisma department. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wow, I didn't realize that, but yeah, that's pretty neat. Uh, I guess the Lord was preparing us for a work. <laughs> and, hey. Although I, I don't know, I don't know that I have taken anything from our oral communications class in as well. In high school and I mean, we are
0: worldwide. we are public speakers now.
1: We are. I, I mean, mean, I so. guess we can give the credit to Miss Van Hoos His credit is due to her. Uh, <laughs> for that oh wow
0: And, and uh, I'll, I'll tell you one other thing that happened with that that I remember was um, I did give one speech on how to make uh, my dad's famous New Year's punch which was remember, that, remember you remember that? <laughs> yes. it was green sherbet and ginger ale was all it was and we had a uh, uh, substitute that day and for whatever reason <laughs> I just kept saying the word slab like just put a slab of it in there <laughs>
1: I and I got hell.
0: counted off for saying slab well what's interesting is years later I said something about that to my wife and she thought I was making fun of her for for that speech I'm like what are you talking about and ended up she had a public speaking class in high school and she gave a speech on how to make her family's version of the punch <laughs> and, and, and it took us several years into our marriage to realize that we Ooh, gave the same speech
1: that's pretty yeah, amazing did that, she that say slab? Amazing.
0: Did she say slab? i don't think she said slab okay but
1: <laughs> i i remember that you're, I, amazing.
0: I, I remember on my feedback as you said <laughs>
1: slab an awful lot You well. sparked my memory on that <laughs> oh gosh wow well I guess uh, as we said maybe the lord was preparing us to become pastors uh so kind of right next into our, right into our next point the question why did we become pastors we both probably took a different uh route getting there i guess you could say um but but nonetheless that's where we're both at so tell me your story Eric. why did you become a pastor and that's that's kind of a weird question i think of the charles spurgeon quote that uh some young man asked him you know to go to his school and he told him uh son if you can do anything but become a pastor anything if there's anything you want to do besides being a pastor you better go do it um so uh kind of yeah. let's, let's work through this question a little bit
0: and i got that advice from my pastor when i was kind of mulling things over um uh-huh. you know if, if you can do anything else at all and be happy to do that but um, I, I was saved at 21 and what happened with me is i just immediately started getting a, a desire to read god's word and just to dig into it and over time just weeks or months I, I started thinking hey I, I need to I need to do something and I was thinking maybe maybe along the lines of youth ministry or just volunteering somehow then I had a, a a weird succession of events where my pastor was like hey I, you know I, I need to talk to you about you know it so, seems like there's something on your mind kind of a thing and talked with me and Uh, that happened, uh, met a guy in a parking lot, helped him jump his battery and he ended up giving me money to go to Bible college and just, just weird stuff that (laughs) I wouldn't recommend anybody to look for at all. But then throughout the process, there were a few scriptures that really stuck out to me. I was in Sunday school one morning and the Sunday school lesson was on first Timothy, Timothy three, one, if anyone desires the work of a pastor and overseer he desires a noble work. And that just really like struck a chord with me. And then uh, the next scripture I remember really kind of knocking me off my feet was out of James chapter four. It says, if any man knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it for him, it is sin. And, and that was, that just really hit me. Hey, I, I know what I, I need to do here. I got to step forward and, and do it. And within a year I was in Bible college and, had never preached but i was in bible college and preparing and uh, didn't feel like i could ever do anything else other than that and god has kept me in it um i probably quit 50 or 100 times through the years at (laughs) at some point during the week and Uh god just just keeps me right in it so that that's kind of a nutshell of what happened to me
1: yeah uh i didn't know about the guy Whose car battery did you jump? I need to go find that. Guy.
0: I don't know. It, it was like a random older guy, and this was in the process. And I'm like, yeah, I'm thinking about going to Bible college. And he just so happened to have went to Bible college years ago, and just pulled out his checkbook or whatever and gave me some money. I'm like, okay, so it's just things like that kept happening to me, like yeah. that I couldn't deny. But I mean, that's kind of, I don't know. The, the way I look at think, the way I look at things now, just, just like looking for signs and stuff like that. But, but boy, I, I was young in my faith then, and mm-hmm.
1: uh,
0: I don't know. I, I wouldn't put much stock into a lot of that stuff now. Wouldn't tell anybody else to look for it, but that's just kind of what happened to me.
1: Well, nonetheless, we should learn the lesson that if uh, we see someone on the side of the road that needs help, we should help them.
0: Yeah, oh, you, 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 you never know when you end up in Bible <laughs> college if you do it. <laughs>
1: Exactly right. Oh, uh, my story's different. Uh, you know, uh, I didn't go the Bible college route until I was in my 30s. Um, and that was probably four to five years after, I mean, we say calling. I, I don't know if I like that word.
0: I don't know uh, if I like it either.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I answered the call to ministry. Uh, I don't. That's just the language we have. I don't, I haven't yeah. really worked out what I want to call that yet, but that's what we'll call it for this, I guess. Yeah. So I was, I became a Christian around 22, 23. Uh, I mean, I can remember the day. I can remember the moment. I can't remember how old I was, but uh, it was, it was, it was similar to your story, I guess, in that um, when I became a Christian, I had a, a deep desire to know what was true. And I, I kind of, uh, I kind of give credit to that too, um I mean, as much as, I grew up in church it was, was was not not a lot. Uh but being able to kind of sit back at, at that age and, and look at the church and just think something's not this something's not right here. You know what I mean? And so the desire to know the word and understand the word was was strong and um quick. And then I'll be honest, if you would have told me even after I became a Christian that I would eventually become a pastor. I would have laughed in your face and told you you're the craziest person that that's, that ever lived, uh, because my uh, social skills were <laughs> not much. But so, similar to you, I can remember distinctly reading uh, from First Timothy three, and you know uh, that's not that much of a coincidence. That's Paul's you know, <laughs> instruction to the church about what a pastor should be. So probably a lot of pastors get called from that, guess yeah. you could say, but uh, so let's not put too much weight on that. But, but I was, <laughs> I can remember reading that and, and, and just reading those things and just, you know, being, being convicted that that's what I, I wanted, I needed to do. And it wasn't what I wanted. It was what I needed. Uh, and I can remember, <laughs> I can remember having the conversation with uh, my girlfriend at the time who, is my wife now. And, you know, kind of telling her, well, I, I, I think the, the Lord, again, my language probably wasn't the best. Uh, the Lord's calling me to ministry. And I think her response was, are you sure about that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, because she knew me and she knew yep. who I was and, and she knew what that meant probably more so than I did. But man, I, so went to a little country church and, um, Actually, the, the, the guy preaching at the time wasn't the pastor. It was a, he was kind of the intern pastoring brother, Stephen Griffiths. We both know Stephen and he was preaching at the time. And uh, I went up front and he kind of, we've talked about it since. And he kind of tells me, he says, man, I thought you were coming up to get saved or something. I didn't know what was wrong with you. And uh, <laughs> but surrendered to the ministry right there. And here's, here's, you know, I so I, I surrendered to the ministry and the next Sunday night I was preaching. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> Which yeah, I got thrown in thrown in quick. And uh so I preached that next Sunday night and I can remember I didn't know what I, of course I had no idea what I was doing, but I I picked a text out of Matthew and uh I remember I I went through it kind of expositorily, not even know what that was, and you know, it took me about three minutes. And then after that, I gave a lot of applications. So, I mean, it was probably a 20 minute sermon, but my second sermon at Pond Baptist Church, where you were at.
0: <laughs> was that your second sermon?
1: That was my second sermon. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty bad. I think it lasted all seven minutes. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't remember it being bad. Oh, it was bad. Yes. It was bad. Uh, but nonetheless. So, and, and it, it's kind of like you, and again, we don't need to put too much in, into circumstances, but circumstances of life begin to change rapidly. The, the place that I worked was a construction business that kind of given my life to and through the economic crisis of 2012, they had to shut the doors. And so there I'd been at that for uh, 12, almost well, 12 years. So I was 19 and been there for 12 years and kind of was moved up into the business pretty high and they just couldn't keep the doors open. And there I was left with, with almost nothing. And my wife kind of looks at me and says, okay, I think it's time to go to Bible college. And so we kind of recalibrated and that's what we did. And now that, I mean, the Bible college is not, you know, that's, you would agree probably, that's not a big part of this. Uh, But nonetheless, that's what I did. And uh, as soon as I finished Bible college, church called me to be their pastor. (laughs) So, you know, kind of an yeah. interesting thing. Yeah,
0: it is. And um, I mean, that's that kind of how it was for me, too, as far as I, I had opportunities um, before I graduated Bible college. I had a, a church that wanted me to be the interim pastor. Uh, they thought it'd be great for me to get the experience with them and worked out great. And, and right as soon as I graduated, uh, I took my first pastorate as well so so that was a big part of it and a lot of people talk about being pastors or being in ministry but they're not they're not actually doing anything it it, i mean they're not maybe not even active in in the church they just have this they say this general calling and they're always looking for something to do well part of that is does god give you opportunity uh to to do that and uh, to this point in my life, God has given me um, opportunities. He's always had me in the pool pit, and uh, you know, I, I never. Well, I, I was going to say I never would have thought it. I remember had a memory that when I was really young, I remember telling my dad uh, at church one day, "Dad, I, I'm going to be a, a preacher." And he told me, "Like you, you don't just decide that. You're you got to be called." And I said, like, "Oh, okay." He kind of put it cool. out the back of my mind, and, um, and I remember too. Cause you know, we've been friends for a long time. We were friends all throughout our lost years. Mm-hmm. I remember when I started feeling like I was called, Yeah, um, I remember kind of being sheepish about wanting to tell you, like wondering what, <laughs> what, what you would think of me.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and you called me up one day. I don't remember what for go out and eat or, or something. Uh-huh. And so I told you and, you and you're like, yeah, I've, I've already heard somebody's, somebody else's, one of our other friends had, had already yeah. told you and uh even at that time you were you were very encouraging with that so that was a that, that was well, a good thing and and my poor wife by the way um <laughs> when she and I got engaged i was going to be a football coach and a history teacher so we were engaged and then in the process of being engaged here i start flipping everything around and now i'm going to oh, bible well. college and she she hung with me st- still married me and here we are today
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Natasha, the same way I was, uh, uh, when we were, of course we, we dated for six years before we got married. She was in school when we started dating and she had to get a master's to do what she does. So we, we waited, but you know, when we kind of were committed to each other, I was, I was, I was working at, I was the top of the chain of the construction company. You know, so our prospects of life were looking a lot better than they turned yeah. out to be <laughs> financially. Uh, but, yeah, uh, we got good women, man. We got good wives. Yep. Thank Absolutely. you Lord for that. Uh, you know, one thing I, I do is thinking, kind of thinking back, uh, the Lord really protected me, I think, um, when uh, I went into ministry or, you know, made that decision or that call happened because there were strange opportunities in front of me like for example uh, the church that I was at whenever I was went into ministry did not have a pastor and even there were people in the church after about you know a couple months that thought well maybe Tyler should be the pastor here because God's called him here oh man I cannot imagine uh, the mess that I would have made uh, or, or or the mess that that would have been. Yeah. If uh, I would have, they would have called me to be the pastor of that church. Uh, I don't think I would have had the wisdom to turn it down. But but just looking back at that and thinking, my goodness, uh, I would have, that would have been an awful situation. And then even, you know, going from there to where I went, the Community Baptist Church, just, you know, even when I, when I left Canaan, when we left Canaan to go to community, I kind of thought, well, okay, it's time. I'm, I'm ready to be a pastor. I wasn't. I wasn't ready to be a pastor again. And so it took some years, their community under the pastor there, who just kind of uh, put up with a lot from me. I guess you could say (laughs) a lot of that, uh, that young, uh, you know, excitement in ministry and kind of kind of honed that in a little bit. And it was just, I'm thankful the Lord in the right time, put me where he wanted me, you know, just looking back and seeing those things. But, you know, kind of like that, that quote that we opened up with, I can't see myself doing anything else. You know, we both do a lot of different things. We kind of, yeah. uh, have alerted to that the whole time. And even, you know, we talked about we're good at, we're actually good at some things. We you know clean pools up pretty good. Yes, we are. And things like that. But you know, we've both been coaches. We're you're, you're you've, you've taught some in the school system. I've, I've got, I've had a little woodworking business. I've done construction. We can both, we can both smoke some meat uh, yes. we, we both are capable people to do a lot of different things but I can't imagine myself doing anything else
0: yeah that's uh that that's how it is and I, I mean I, I'm I would say a lot of pastors if you're in it any length of time at all I mean you're going to go through seasons where, where you're down and depressed and kind of wondering hey am, am, am i still doing what the lord wants me to do is this is this right but even through seasons like that god has sustained me and helped me to keep putting one foot in front of the other and uh looks like i'm in it for the long haul is, is what it's what it's looking like for sure <laughs>
1: yeah and that's that's kind of how it works right in yep. the long haul man well uh you you posed a question to me this week the question being did we see Leonard Skinner?
0: <laughs> and, I, I had about one second of memory of seeing of the guy, the, the Mad Hatter, I think they called him. Is that, okay, that yeah, Skinner?
1: Yeah. Uh, um, I don't know, but I know who you're like, talking
0: about. Like, yeah, the bass player with, yeah. with the big hats. Like, yeah. I, I remembered that, and I was thinking, did I see them? And was Tyler there?
1: Well, here's the thing. It's a yes and it's a no. No, we did not see the original Leonard Skinner. Okay. For obvious reasons. Yeah. Plane crash. Yep. We did see a version. <laughs> yeah. We did see a version of Leonard then. And we talked a little bit before, and I tried to recalibrate your memory a little bit. <laughs>
0: and, and you did well with it. Well. I probably uh, didn't remember it because uh, of where we were seated, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll
1: talk yeah. about that. So uh, <laughs> we saw them, uh, one of our favorite places to go see a concert. It was Okay. I was doing some little research on this. The amphitheater that we like to go to, was it in Laverne or was it in Hermitage?
0: Okay, I don't know, but um, I mean, I know where it's at, but I don't know. Like, like it's, I would still, cons- I don't, okay. When we went to, my family went to Panama City Beach a week or so ago. We're going down 65 and you go through Nashville. And when you get through all the busyness of Nashville, uh, just a few more minute drive, and you look over over on the left. There's there's the amphitheater to right off 65. There. Okay. So I don't know if that was the Hermitage or Laverne or or what, but it was very uh, like immediately just south of Nashville.
1: Okay. Well, I don't know either. But <laughs> so it's still open is that? What you're yeah,
0: I, I saw. Wish you couldn't see the amphitheater, but I, you could see the the sign and the entrance for it. And remember, okay. you have to drive back, and yeah. it's kind of back in there a little bit.
1: How, how close is it to... Uh, man, I already forgot the name of it. The fireworks stand. What was the fireworks stand's name?
0: Sad Sam's. Nervous Sad Charlie's.
1: Yeah, Nervous Nervous, nervous Charlie's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay. That <laughs> was one of our landmarkers. On Sad Sam's. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, so we did see Leonard Skinner, a version of Leonard Skinner. Um, And we saw Jackal. We saw Leonard Skinner. We saw... Uh, uh Ted, qu- Ted Nugent. Yeah, Ted Nugent, a little cat Ted scratch Nugent. fever. Yeah. yeah, Ted Nugent. But the thing about the concert was we had really good seats. Probably had really good seats because they weren't in demand. Uh, I went back <laughs> to look <laughs> I went back to look at um Leonard Skinner tours just to kind of familiarize myself and see which one maybe we went to. My yep. goodness, they go, they tour every year. They do 50, t- 50 sites every year almost. <laughs> so, so, anyways, we had pretty good seats, but our seats were down at the, the front right of the amphitheater, and we had a giant speaker right in our ear. Yes. And I'm pretty sure when Ted Nugent came up and played Cat Scratch Fever, it, <laughs> it, <laughs> I'm sure I busted an eardrum.
0: Oh, man. Yeah. And, um, uh... Uh, that's kind of funny. I I remember kind of jogs my memory with the, the time I went to the kiss concert with my friend, Scott Um, you know, his family was in like audiology ear nose and throat and stuff. And they had this audiologist guy. He's like, Hey guys, if you go to this concert, you're going to (laughs) lose some hearing. (laughs) <laughs> and so I remember that he wanted to test us before the concert and after to prove to us what we were doing to our hearing. And so we went through the test and, you know, the beep test yeah. and all that. You got to raise your hand. Uh, got back from the concert, went through the next test. Our hearing got better. Like, well, like me, it had improved.
1: Let me ask you this. I've <laughs> taken a few of those hearing tests in my life. I, I get so, so much anxiety during them. I think I just raised my hand just for no reason. Sometimes. <laughs>
0: you wonder if you actually heard a beep and yeah, if you yeah. did,
1: why didn't you raise your hand? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. Um, but anyway, <laughs> we survived
0: uh, Nugent somehow. Yeah. With that, we did. But it, yeah. we
1: did, but we got really nervous. Uh, speaking of nervous, Charlie, uh, we got nervous whenever Jackal came up and performed, what is his name? Jesse James something. You remember uh, Jesse James? Uh, is, it, is it Jesse James Dupree? That sounds
0: exactly right. Yeah, I think
1: I, I, I would have I, never I, said
0: that, but yeah, that I sounds right.
1: Cannot believe I got that. Jesse James decree <laughs> of Jackal. He when he he's the lead singer, and when he comes on the stage, there's a point of the concert that I can't believe I'm to say this. He he brings out a chainsaw, <laughs> yep. and he plays songs with chainsaw. So if you want to listen, uh, I don't exactly remember lyrics and cursing and things like that, but I'm sure you can find a clean version. But uh, you know do the spotify when you're looking for our podcast on spotify and uh, find jackal and just put in chainsaw song because he has a whole song where he plays a chainsaw uh, it's, it's a it's a unique talent
0: yes yes it is and i'm glad you jogged my memory about that because i had completely forgotten about that i couldn't name a jackal song
1: um so I, sun going down on me it's like the sun Going down on that's the... that's Jackal. That's Jackal. Yes. Huh, that's Jackal. Man. They had one they had one really good song. They were they were a true one hit wonder. Yeah. I can't imagine why. He used a chainsaw for every other song. Why
0: would people not like that? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
1: <laughs> uh funny, we were on uh we vacation this year. We went to South Dakota, South Dakota, and uh <laughs> we picked were... up an accent while you were there, huh? <laughs> the, 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 hey. We 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 stayed outside of Sturgis now not bicycle not for the motorcycle rally we were months before that but the motorcycle rally is coming up I think it's actually going on right now there in Sturgis and guess who's performing who was it no no There's the Jesse James Dupree and Jackal really yeah still going strong <laughs> well
0: that's uh that that's perseverance right there is, I mean, that, that proud, was,
1: was really really that was a proud a, moment. Yeah. Yeah, that was over twenty
0: years ago that we saw. Yeah. That.
1: I think I announced to my family that you know I'd seen Jackal before, and I don't. they're they're who Jackalow?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so they weren't very impressed with it. Not,
1: not at all. Not at all. Well, yeah, <laughs> really. I was,
0: yeah, you know, I, I was happy we got to see Skinnerd. Um, I, I was, I've all, which I still like Leonard Skinnerd's music.
1: Yeah, that, you know, that's kind of if you're gonna if you go to concerts that's probably one of the bands you just need to go see just to say that yep. you've gone and saw them now. Uh, was that at a time that they had just came out with an album?
0: Uh, no, I can't remember that.
1: Okay. I knew they did. And I thought that maybe it was them, but you know, they got, they played all the classics, of course, Freebird. yeah uh, I think that was one of our, that was on our, uh, Rotation in the car was freebird, yes. and I'm sure we we had some sort of uh, odd performance that we did with freebird, and uh, <laughs> of course, of course, sweet home Alabama, and uh, we got into some of the Skinner deep tracks too. Yeah, uh, we did. Uh, we liked we liked Leonard, the Leonard Skinner a little bit. And,
0: Tuesday's uh, gone with the wind. Uh, yeah
1: Tuesday's yep. gone. S- simple man. I mean, we could sit here and name them all night. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was a good concert. Uh, best I remember, it was a pretty good show. Um, Nugent was good it was good to see him uh, and then of course Lennon Skinner was pretty good they were getting older then and of course they weren't moving around a whole lot but they were still still good to listen to and enjoy yeah. enjoying them quite a bit uh, it was a different kind of concert for us though best I remember because we're you know we, we would go usually to the more rock end of the spectrum mm-hmm. and this is kind of that southern rock end of the spectrum yeah and we we didn't do that a lot, so we were we really crossed over for this one. We and, did. We uh, we, we and, are renaissance men, and I think the crowd was quite a bit different than what we were used to. Yeah, we we were used to <laughs> as as eighteen to nineteen to twenty year olds. We were used to middle aged rockers. Well, now it was middle aged to older southern rockers. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a different crowd. Yeah. And uh, but it was nonetheless, it was an enjoyable time. I can't remember if anyone went with us, if we packed Scott along. Um, I can't I, remember Scott being a big Skynyrd fan.
0: No, I don't. Scott, I think, just went to a couple of yeah. concerts, but he, he didn't yeah. go to a whole lot of them. So yeah, we, so we, we I, were the mainstays.
1: Yeah, I think that was just me and you enjoyed there, uh, seeing Leonard Skynyrd. Uh, do you remember the lead singer's name, Current? Um, Van Zant? It's Van Zant, but which one? I think it's Ronnie. Is it Ronnie Van Zant? Or is Ronnie Van Zant the one that died?
0: I I don't know that. Okay. We'll say Ronnie.
1: We'll say Ronnie.
0: Ronnie sounds right, which I don't know any other name other than Ronnie.
1: Yeah, he looks like a Ronnie. uh,
0: Old man Van Zant's boy.
1: Yeah, that's right. Old man Van Zant's boy gets out there and leads the (laughs) Skinner. All right. (laughs) Wow. All right. So this is a first. We've had a listener request for uh, us to answer a question. Yes. And so, you know, we'll just, uh, we'll we'll just, uh, we'll read the question here. Um, and uh, then we'll, what will we call this, this listener?
0: Ant. Um, yeah. Ant
1: Thunny. Ant Thunny. So, Ant first, first
0: name, first Ant. Last name, Thunny.
1: There you go, Ant. Thunny, all right, Aunt <laughs> Mister Thunny. Uh, <laughs> so uh, he asked us to talk about um, accepting sin under the guise of love or the love of Jesus. Kind of the question he's and and kind of the way I'm I'm understanding that request uh, by Aunt Thunny is um, what does it mean to love someone that is maybe in deep sin and even, what would you say, proud of that sin? Yeah. What does it mean to love them like Jesus?
0: Well, yeah, and I thought it was a good question because it it really relates to a lot that you see now and our our culture. And um, sin that used to be called out as sin and that that could be a whole laundry list of things you know homosexuality transgenderism so many other things that as time goes on uh, we start calling evil good and good evil and people start being accepting of sin under the guise of hey jesus was loving we want to be like jesus I'm going to be loving toward this person, and the way that I'll do that is to uh, simply accept them how they are, and, and that's kind of the the mindset and the background is is that is the definition of love. Um, however, the person is, whatever they're in, whatever they're doing, um, let them be them, and I'm just I'm just going to be there for them and accept them and and not say anything about it and and that's that's a summary of what our culture is right now for sure so so we want to consider um is that the biblical approach, and if so, why, and if not, what is the biblical approach
1: yeah so uh we we live in a world just like you said we it's almost we live in a sticky world <laughs> a world that's Uh, and and we almost live in a world of entrapment for Christians that everyone is trying to uh, trap us with these uh, gotcha questions. And if you condemn any kind of sin, uh, you don't love like you, you don't, you don't live up to WWJD. What would Jesus do? Um, But I, 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 I mean, I know the reason uh Well, let's just, let's just, I think we can both agree on this. We, we ought not take our theology from the masses of the world.
0: Right. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, so let that be our starting point. Let's, let's, let's not, let's, let's move into this with a, without the presupposition that the world can tell us how to do theology. Yeah. Uh, but let's see what the Bible says. That's probably. Uh, the best thing to do. Uh, I immediately think of uh, Jesus and Zacchaeus uh, tax collector.
0: He was a wee little man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He was a wee little man. Careful. I'll make you sing the song. Uh, (laughs) But uh, let me, let me just read. Let me just read this. uh, Luke. This is 19 verses one through 10. Let me read it. Let's just talk about it a little bit. And there's certainly other cases in the scripture. I mean, you have the, Uh, The woman in uh, John 8, whatever you think about that, you know, that's that's where people go a lot of times. But just let's. Yeah. So uh, uh, we'll go there, too, and talk about that, because that that gives us a very important word from Jesus that he tells her. Uh, we'll start here and we're going to use our Bibles tonight. That's, that's what we're going to do. We're Bible yeah. guys, right? We uh, are Bible guys. We're, we're not Bible man, the superhero, but we are Bible guys. Uh, <laughs> all right, let me read Zacchaeus here. Uh, Luke chapter 19. He entered Jericho and was passing through and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on the account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him Today salvation has come onto this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save for the lost. All right. Tell me about a tax collector, Mr. Zacchaeus.
0: Well, they were hated in that culture uh, because apparently they would often take advantage of their position and would use their um, job a- as a way to collect extra money for themselves and so therefore that they were known as thieves they would steal from people take more than what was to be expected so they did not have a good reputation um amongst the people whatsoever Uh, no one liked to see the tax collector coming and um and and probably thought of them in a very very low way
1: right so uh we could almost they would they were extortioners um it would almost be as if someone came to your front door to collect your taxes and you owed a hundred dollars and they said, you have to pay me 200 Yeah. Uh, or you're go- you'll get beat up by my crew here behind me. Uh, because yeah. like you said earlier, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Um,
0: <laughs> and a wee little man was he. <laughs> uh,
1: and so uh, Jesus went to this man's house and the crowd was upset because they could not imagine that he had gone to be a guest of such a sinner. All right. Well, what, what do you make of that then?
0: Well, the division already here is, uh, like if we stop just there or pull that part out of context, then people could use that and say, well, hey, Jesus hung out with sinners. I, I think there's even commercials on now. Have you seen those? um he gets us. Yeah, he,
1: he gets us. Yeah, yeah go the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. it's,
0: it's kind of like that. Jesus was a rebel, you know, just yeah. like or Jesus was a refugee. Well, I mean, it, it's kind of like that. So it's well, Jesus hung out with sinners. Uh, therefore, he is accepting of sinners, right? And, and that's that's the connection that people make and the application that they take from it. Since Jesus was around. Therefore, that equals him accepting.
1: Right. Um, And we notice, uh, you know, about Zacchaeus here, he climbed the sycamore tree. He climbed the sycamore tree because he heard Jesus was coming. Uh, He wanted to meet Jesus. We see that when he goes down to when Jesus goes down to his house, we read in verse Number eight, that Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, uh, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Interesting there in the text how Zacchaeus addresses Jesus.
0: Yeah, yeah, it sounds awful lot like repentance doesn't it because now instead of living for himself he is recognizing him as lord and he, he immediately starts thinking of ways jesus doesn't ask him to do this but with his apparent changed heart he immediately starts thinking of ways to to make restitution for for the people that he's wronged things like that and then, uh, some sort of turning away from the way that he used to do things and and starting off on a new path so that's that's key there there's repentance there
1: yeah and then then Jesus Jesus finishes with this statement today salvation has come to this house uh, clearly by the fruit exhibited by Zacchaeus Uh, As you just said, the repentance, the faith in the acknowledgement of the Lord, uh, the repentance of the restoration that he was going to provide, um, since also He's the son of Abraham. But, But in verse number 10, I think it's very important to understand what Jesus is saying here. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Over and over on the pages of scripture, we read that about Jesus. Jesus makes that proclamation about himself, that he is here to seek and to save that which is lost. I don't know if some people know this, but me and you are not Jesus, nor is anyone else Jesus. Right. Therefore, while we are to absolutely share the gospel with people, tell people about the good news of Jesus, uh, we're to seek out people to do that with, we ultimately are not the ones that can save anyone, but Jesus is the only one that holds the power to do that. Uh, So we have to be very careful uh, when thinking that looking at the life of Jesus and seeing okay how he did sit down with a sinner using air quotes there how he did dine with sinners, Jesus did that in order to bring about repentance and life change for the sinner, uh, not to accept them that how they are.
0: Yeah, he didn't sit down with Zacchaeus and have a meal with him and say, uh, you know, I, I'm. I understand you were born this way as a thief and uh, that's just how you are and you know I'm just gonna love you no matter what you just keep right on thieving uh, th- that was not it at all uh, but yet that's that's the way that uh, people look at things now uh, whatever the sin is um, that, that people are caught up in hey you just keep doing that I'm not gonna say anything and and everything's gonna, gonna be okay God's accepting. God is loving. He'll understand. You can't help it. Um, but nowhere in Scripture do we see that approach to sin whatsoever. Um, repent and believe the gospel.
1: Absolutely. You got another Bible verse, another piece of the Bible for us there.
0: Yeah. How's I, I did want to mention. Well, let, let me read this first out of uh, John, John chapter eight, verse eleven. Um, So this is, this is the woman that's caught in adultery and Jesus is talking to her and uh, says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you go. And from now on sin, no more. Um, So the part I wanted to point out there is, Jesus A called sin sin. He, he said what, what you're doing, you're you're committing adultery, that is sin. He called it sin and he said, Go and sin no more. So two things. He called it what it is, and then he called her to repentance. Yeah. Um, so that is um the other scripture I kind of wanted to pull in was Ephesians four fifteen, where it tells us to speak the truth in love. Well, a big part of that People may focus on the love part, but we've got to remember the other part, speak the truth. Right. We got to, we got to tell people what it is and how it is. And listen, we're in a world right now that is desperate for God's word for Jesus Christ. How, how in the world can we soften or take away the one thing that, that they need? It's our job to speak the truth and love to call sin, sin. And that's the most loving thing you can do. It is unloving to see someone in sin and to act like it's okay or to act like it's not sin uh, um, against the holy God. So my biblical perspective on that is if you are, quote, accepting of someone in their sin, you are not loving them at all. You are enabling them in their sin and storing up wrath for them on the day of judgment.
1: Yeah, and... Uh, I think of an thought of an illustration while you were uh, talking there. Um, if you could imagine you are coming down an interstate, like we used to go to Nashville highway I 65 and uh, you come up on, it's a foggy night and you come up on a bridge and you see flashing lights and you get up to that bridge and you see that that bridge is collapsed. There's nothing there. And as you pull off the side of the road, you, you see cars just flying over um, the bridge there just into, a, into an abyss almost. And, and you know you have family behind you. Well, what are you going to do? Are you going to just stand on the side and watch your family just drive into the abyss? Or, or are you going to get out and do all you can to stop them? For some reason, we, have, we think that the most loving thing we can do is just accept people however they are. When that is not the most loving thing that we can do, and here's what I believe. I believe Christians know that. I believe we really know that. and I think the rub yep. that we feel today as Christians is uh, the pressure from the culture to just 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 accept everyone like they are and, and and just make them feel better about who they are. And because we feel that rub so much, we're, we're tempted to, do the very, to do that. But, but just like you said, the most loving thing we can do is to tell them the truth because it is the truth that sets them free. Uh, uh, not a lie, but, but the truth of the gospel.
0: Yeah. And, um, it's kind of like our, our culture looks at it kind of like hospice care, don't they? It's, I mean, they, um, the end is coming. They want to make them as comfortable as possible and, and, and take care of them in that, and in this case i mean it, it does does not help the person whatsoever now now, the pushback on this is people will say, well, if you're picking on homosexuality or uh transgenderism or uh, adultery i mean w- whatever it is, um you can't pick out those things because because you sin too everybody sins nobody is is perfect." Well, that that's true, but the difference is this, and I said this this morning in my sermon, everybody has a relationship with sin, mm-hmm. and it's this. You are either dead in sin or you are dead to sin, and so for the Christian who is dead to sin, we now have a different relationship where we hate our sin. We don't want to sin. We want to turn from it. We confess it to the Lord. Uh, we're fighting against it. Whereas, on the other hand, that sin, with what we see in our culture, is celebrated. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- there, are, there are pride months, for, for crying out loud. I mean, absolutely um, celebrating the sin, and, and that's yeah. the difference. You don't celebrate sin. You repent from it. You turn from it. You confess it. So, so it's not that, ever, that there are some people that are sinless and others that are not, no. Are you dead in sin and celebrating, or are you dead to sin and repenting?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, we've we almost came to to the point culturally, and you know we, we could probably do some good history and figure out if we uh, you know if we're any different than any other culture, uh, you know whatever. but uh, of course, the Bible speaks of unintentional sin but the bible also speaks of high-handed sin. uh sin that we know is sin yet we continue in it. Yep. And and that's a that's a that's a dangerous game to play with. That's a dangerous thing to get play with when when we know and Eric I can't help but to look at the church culture and and many churches organizations pastors whatever you want to call them that uh, have now bowed the knee uh, to the culture. And at one point, uh, they knew. They knew this sin was sin. Oh, yeah. A- and they called out that sin. And now they are knowingly accepting that sin yeah. um, for the praise of man or the fear of man or, or whatever it is. Uh, but Jesus was very clear. You should not be worrying about fearing man. You should be worrying about fearing God, yep. uh, the one that judges the soul of man. Um, and so that's that's kind of where I think when we approach this kind of topic and uh, thinking about how do we really love people? Um, how do we love sinners? How do we love people who are even practicing this kind of sin? I think the baseline for which we should love those people is we should love them in the fear of the Lord uh, for our sake and for their sake as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, we are going to stand before God and give an account. And if we as pastors um, change God's word to better tickle ears or to better um, get the applause of man or we make god into uh, an image of our making instead of what scripture actually says then we we will be held accountable for that our job is to speak speak the truth speak it speak it in love and like you said the truth is what sets free uh, sets people free so why would we give them anything else, or why would we want to change uh, what what we think is is true? Like like it's a moving goalpost or something. It's right. uh, so.
1: You, you remember? You remember much about high school football? <laughs> uh, yes and no, here, here and there. Uh, yep. Yeah, same. Uh, do you remember? Uh, our coach was a he was a tough guy. You know. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I kind of even, I'm thankful for him. I think he had a big impact on my life. Uh, but do you remember? So he was kind of coached in the mountains, uh, Eastern Kentucky a lot and kind of a different view on things. Do you remember what he used to call us when, uh, maybe we kind of weren't as tough as we needed to be
0: marshmallows,
1: marshmallows. Yeah soft as marshmallows right yep. uh-huh. uh, early on in his, his tenure there we were the first team he had and really yeah. the first year he was there i think uh, he called us the stay puff marshmallow man or something <laughs> like that you know that that's how i feel uh, i just kind of got i don't know maybe got mad here sitting here but but these these pastors that that have bent the knee um, to the culture I mean, they they're soft as marshmallows you know what i yep. mean they're like mm-hmm. the stay puff marshmallow man they uh, and they heard the cries of the culture and the warning from the culture and they became fearful and uh, bowed the knee. Um,
0: yeah. Wow.
1: Uh, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I mean, I wouldn't advise everything Dietrich Bonhoeffer said or thought or wrote about, uh, but he had an awful good quote in his Cost of Discipleship book about cheap grace. And I, I think we, uh, we live in a world where Uh, He was a little prophetic with this quote um, where cheap grace is offered a whole lot. Uh, Let me read this quote a little long. Uh, Cheap grace means grace sold on the market like cheap jack swears. The sacraments, the forgiveness of sin, and the consolations of religion are thrown away at cut prices. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, Absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ, living and incarnate. Hmm. Isn't that what we're offering? People. A lot of people are offering today. It
0: is. We are peddling God's word uh, for for the applause of man. It is is what what we are doing all too often, uh, refusing to do what Jesus did and and call sin sin Uh, I mean we need people who will lovingly speak God's Word and and speak the truth and do it without shame because we know that the Word of God is is our authority Uh, the Word of God is the truth and Anything what we try to put in its place, we, we're simply simply making uh, making idols for ourselves and uh, pushing that cheap grace. Yeah, that that was a good quote that summed it up very well.
1: Yeah, um, he has a uh, another end of that quote talking about costly grace. Now we don't like to think of grace as costly, right? Uh, yeah. Grace is the free gift given by God, but I think we should expect, and I mean, Jesus taught this, that when we experience the grace of God, it's going to cost us something. Look at our two biblical references we've made tonight. Zacchaeus, it cost him. Yeah. He gave back He gave back everything that he had stolen, even then so. Uh, the adulterous woman, Jesus told her, go and sin no more. And it cost her a lifestyle. Uh, we should very much expect that when we experience the grace of God in our own lives, that it is going to cost us something. And and I won't read Bonhoeffer's quote anymore, but you can, you, people can look it up. But at the end of that quote, uh, he says, "What makes us think? What what makes us think that something that cost our Savior so much would not cost us anything?" Yeah. And and that's I think that's where everyone is set back right now, and they're thinking. Jesus loves everybody. Jesus loves me this I know, for the Bible tells me so, so I can go and continue in sin and live how I want, because Jesus loves me. Yeah. But that's not true.
0: Yeah, it, and pe- people, they hear love, I think, and, and they think of just, uh, I, I don't know, the kind of this... F- fantastic view of of maybe romance or, or something and, and just you know gushy love and that's uh, that's not how it is the greatest way that the greatest example of love that we have ever seen is when God sent his son uh, to, to die on the cross greater love has no man than this that, that he lays life down for his friends so love was shown in action and it's summed up at the cross you want to see love uh, you don't look at telling someone encouraging someone to continue in sin you want to see love as it's quite the opposite you look to the cross and to the one who died for that sin
1: absolutely and i I think of it this way we're both parents Uh, we both have kids and um you know when I, I fell in love with my wife, she was easy to love, but I had to work at that. You know what I mean? I, I had to yeah. work, I had to work to love my wife and fall in love with my wife and get her to love me. You know, I had to, had to do that, but my kids, man, I didn't have to work at that. It just happened. You know, everybody talks about that moment. Uh, yeah. when You see your child and you, you understand unconditional love in a way that you never have. And as parents, You know, if uh, I see my, you know, if my 11 year old daughter goes down in my wood shop and she turns on my table saw that has a 12 inch blade on it, rotating at I don't know, probably, I don't know, 250, 300 miles per hour. I probably should know that, but whatever, Uh, rotating. And I I see her with a little board getting ready to run through that table saw. I'm going to, I'm going to sprint to her as fast as I can either turn off the table saw, unplug it or pull her out of the way before she chops her arm off. Yeah. Because I see her in a dangerous situation and I'm compelled to do that because I love her. Yeah. So when we look at a culture and we see people toying with sin, celebrating sin. And if we really say that we love those people, then why are we not running to those people with the only the only help that they have. And that's not, Hey, Jesus loves you, but it's, Hey, Jesus loves you. Repent of your sin, turn from your sin and trust in the Savior.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I know some people would probably even, um, listen to this podcast and just because of the topic say that we're unloving and how we're approaching it. They're not listening to the substance of what we're saying at all. But just because we venture to talk about the topic, call it unloving, and and that's what it's become. It's become a shouting match, where if if anything is said about anything at all, uh, any sin whatsoever, then people try to shout you down and and shut you up and make it to where you can't be heard, and it's, and that's for. For good reason, because it goes against, it goes against scripture. And that's just how everything works. If the Bible says one thing, culture uh, does another in, in almost every instance. That's, that's how it works. But you got to understand the most loving thing to do is to faithfully give them the gospel that it's not okay to stay in sin, but to turn from it and to trust Jesus Christ who came and lived a life you could never live died the death that you deserve and was buried and then resurrected on the third day and then now calls all men everywhere to uh, to repent that's that's the truth uh, the truth is not eh you'll be okay so understand the gospel with that and that jesus died for sinners
1: that's right and brothers and sisters if you believe that then the most loving thing you can do is tell that to sinners Thanks for listening to the Halfway There cast. Make sure to listen to
0: us on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Amazon, Google Podcasts, and Podbean. And don't forget to follow us on social media. On Twitter, we are at HalfwayTherePC. And find us on Facebook. Give us a like.